From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. Or you're saying just Yeah, no, I think, that, I think exactly that. I think, yeah. you know, somebody who's white or maybe take, take ethnicity out of it, but just they have money. Gotcha. And they're going to bring in um, a you know, fancy middle-class culture. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about that on the Stoop Sessions. So, uh, here we are, continuing our conversation on intentional living. And we've, how, how have we defined intentional living? We've defined intentional living For as... For our purposes. Yeah. Living in a specific neighborhood. Intentionally. Close to your uh, church community. Intentionally. Right. Yes, particularly something that we can do uh, living in intercity con- context. So Intercity? In, in intercity. <gasps> Bugsy. Bugsby Moe's. It's good. Bugsby Moe's, y'all. It's good. If you don't know what that means, you yes. should go listen to the other episodes yes. because you should. The content in there is great. Also, I just Googled he is from Baltimore. I'm so sorry. We Bugsby. talked about that in the first episode. I know. I didn't know he was like, for real, for real, Baltimore. Right across you know the street from like, High School, man. Yeah, sometimes you're like, I'm from Baltimore, but it's like, yeah. you really grew I'm up really... in like Severna Park. Yeah. I mean, that's fine, but that's like outside the perimeter. There's nothing wrong with growing up in Severna There's Park. There's nothing. nothing. We have friends from there, but right. you're from Severna Park. Yeah. But he's from like Baltimore. Yeah. Without the T. <laughs> Bugsy, hi. Um, we're Bug- talking about intentional living. <laughs> and uh, that means living in your particular context close to your church. That's good. So let's talk about uh, somebody who might be listening to this podcast, and they are uh, thinking about moving closer to their church, uh, or in particular, you know, as we think about um, urban ministry on this podcast, we're thinking really specifically about work in the inner city. Um, Somebody who's thinking about planting a church and building a community that reaches people from that neighborhood, which is really our number one goal, not just moving people in from the outside, but reaching people from that neighborhood, but then also people intentionally remaining and moving in to the neighborhood if and when possible. So let's talk about that. Well, first, I think we're not able to assume what individuals think when they hear church planning, but I'm going to like identify that I think it should be done within a team mentality. Um, it's in terms of it's not the personality of a pastor that moves somewhere and says I'm going to create this culture. I don't think it's a, um, the personality of someone thinking, oh, I'm not X, Y, and Z. And so I, I just wanted to like lay it out there that assumptions probably get you in a lot of trouble if you are trying to be in a church planning context, particularly in the inner city. Um, you know, Joel, you talk about having to crucify your savior mentality of we're going to yeah. be the only church that's going to preach the gospel in Baltimore as if there's never been a church like that before. And the thing is like, we don't know that. We don't know that to be true. But um, being in a, in, a, in a team context, I think, helps level things out. That's right. When you're thinking about planning a church um, in a neighborhood um, such as the one that we um, uh, that we are serving, I think it would be good to um, get to know um, just the, the culture of, of the people that live um, in that environment. And I actually wanted to ask you, Joel, like when you were 
deciding to come to Baltimore, like, did you do, like, any research on Baltimore about the, like, how, how, how did that, how did, how did that work out for you? I did. Um, so when we planted, uh, part of the requirement with our denomination was to do a lot of that kind of research and mm-hmm. trying to figure out some, some of the demographics and all that kind of stuff. Um, but probably more than anything, I just came into the city and mm-hmm. just walked the streets. Uh, and I had been working with Baltimore in various ways okay. for a couple of years prior to that as well. I had been doing some work with youth. I've been uh, in a bunch of different neighborhoods. And so I had a little bit of a, at least I thought I had a clue. Yeah. You know, I don't <laughs> think I did in retrospect, but um, I had a little little understanding of what was going on. I yeah. certainly knew the history of the neighborhood. I studied the history of the neighborhood yeah. before we even moved in. Uh, looked at the history of redlining in our neighborhood where um, African-Americans could live on this side, but not that side. Yep. Um, as you guys know, there's neighborhoods near us that are that look very different than our immediate neighborhood as a result of uh, racial injustice as it relates to the history of real estate in the neighborhood. So I, I studied all of that. I uh, really thought deeply on some of these issues prior to moving in. Yeah. And so I did come in with eyes wide open Yet I had a lot of learning to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think I said the one good thing was that I, uh, I moved into the neighborhood. Right. I think the other good thing that we did initially, well, maybe two, two good things. One was I kept my mouth shut more than talked for a while. That sounds it like that's humility. in James or something. <laughs> that sounds biblical. It does, yeah. doesn't it? It takes humility. You slow to speak. Well, I just didn't know what to say, so I just <laughs> listened. And that you know? is a good. word. <laughs> it really listened. is. Say it one more time, Joel, because I covered I, I, up. I just listened. Something that um, we don't do is a Yeah, so, so we had a, actually in this building that we're currently sitting in, we lived on the second floor. On the third floor was uh, an older African-American woman that had is from Baltimore. And so she took us under her wing. She became like, you know, our, our second mother, <laughs> our, our Baltimore City mother. And, uh, and she would just talk. She would talk about the history of Baltimore City and how uh, the the neighborhood around us was a strong middle class black neighborhood, and she it was the first time I remember this is this is going on 12 years ago now, um, first time I ever grappled with the fact that desegregation was not necessarily a good thing across the board. Mm. She brought that. My, I'm, I'm thinking like, what do you mean desegregation wasn't good? I thought segregation was bad. She said, oh, segregation is bad. But desegregation, the way it happened, wasn't good. It gutted the black community, it gutted black businesses. And so she kind of went, went on this. So I'm just sitting there listening. Like right. My eyes are just being open to things that I've just never grappled with before. I forget where we were going with that. Well, no, question. you were talking church about planning. yeah church planning. And what you did is you moved in. So we moved listened. in, yeah. I listened, and then I think the third thing was, and this wasn't intentional, and I, I honestly don't hope to see other churches planted this way, but it took us four years to get going. The benefit of that was that we were really able to build from the ground up. You know, we were able to build from the community. And, and, and so as we think about intentional living, I will say this, I don't think it's wise. Now, you know, feel free if you're listening to this and you totally disagree with me. I'd love to hear your response. Shoot me an email. But I don't think it's wise 
to slice off a massive number of, a, uh, uh, um, you know, 40, 50, 60 people from a church that's a totally different culture and, 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 plant, and, and moving those people in. Now that being know, like the core team, or with, exactly with now, if they're if they're culturally familiar right. with the work there, that can be great. Praise God for that, you know. But if we've got a whole swath of people and they are just bringing in a totally different culture, and they're going to try to move in into a neighborhood, uh, it's going to be very difficult that, for them to actually reach the neighborhood, uh, for them to. Um, Abandon some of their, their own cultural principles and yeah. values in that in that process, and really make the neighborhood feel like this is this is for us. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it. The danger there is someone's preferences become the law, and that can be really dangerous if you're actually trying to um, learn something, love and understand, get to know. I mean, who feels loved and understood when someone just lords over them at all, all of their particular preferences on things? And again, there's a distinction um, between here, these are commandments, this is what we ought to follow, and then preferences, which there's a world of that. And so I think it's really smart to say, let me sit and watch um, and observe and listen. So Yeah. So Stephanie, earlier in uh, on this show, you were talking about uh, team church planting, and um, and I think that that's a good approach. And I think what I would add to that is I think the team should be small and specialized, if you would. Um, there should be a, a good bit of training as to who that team is, and that team should move in uh, together and uh, be present in a neighborhood and try to reach the people that live in that neighborhood. I know it should it should go without saying, but I, even my move towards Baltimore uh, had to go had happened because of prayer. So I bring that up because there's just there can be a lot of division and thinking. I think prayer helps us to focus on unity. Um, it helps us to focus on what the goal is, and I think for me at least helps me crucify my preferences. That was a huge thing for me to move out here and say, "Oh, I've, I've cloaked some of these preferences with scripture, sure. but they're not really. This is just different for me." And so um, I, I think that, that that's something for you to to think about. You know, I don't need this neighborhood to reflect my favorite coffee shop. That's you know, right. I don't need this neighborhood to reflect the fact that I want to pick up flowers and, and blooms on my walk. Like, it's cool. Yeah. None of y'all want to do that? No, I just, I feel like you just described yourself. That's right. Stopping in the coffee shop, it, walking Symphony. with your $8 latte. Yeah, because all, all these modifications, Lord. And here you but are. yeah, with, with a cute little canvas bag. And just sticking my flowers in there and maybe passing out to people who don't really care about flowers. But it's okay because I gave it to them. That's just not how to do it. And so I do think we find individuals who their intent unknowingly is to gentrify their neighborhoods. And I don't think that that's what mm. God is calling mm. us to do. So, so you brought up gentrification. I did. I yeah. said the G word. As somebody from Baltimore and has grown up, uh, you know, in a, in a city neighborhood, you know, you want change you want to see um you know neighborhoods look better so you know from your perspective like growing up as a youth as a young adult what would that change look like when you think about the change i want to see in my neighborhood what is that does that do you want a starbucks on the corner i probably i think my first my first answer would probably be hey i I want you know these houses not to be vacant Mm -hmm. 
Um, I want, you know, better schools. Cleanliness is what I hear a lot. Yeah. I, I know, hear a lot I want, of people say I, I want, want the trash picked up. I want to see up. trash. Right? Yeah. Like right now, and I have trash in my alley that's right. you know, just piled up. Um, and it's a nesting place for, uh, for rats. Right. It would be nice to be able to walk out back and not have rats yeah. run across and your feet. And not cut your feet on broken glass. Right. But, you know, being a Christian has really, um, you know, changed my perspective. So you um, want trash things. now as a Christian? No. Not saying that at all. But um, I think, you know, the change that is needed is for people to come to know Christ. Like, we can have, you know, the external, all of those things change. Mm -hmm. But if the heart is not changed, which gentrification has never done, hmm. then hmm. What, what good is it to really, you know, change neighborhoods and we see people go to hell? Let me press in a little bit here because yeah. I think... You're, you're saying something that needs to be explored. Mm -hmm. So as we think about intentional living in the neighborhood, yeah. we're not talking about neighborhood transformation. We're not talking about like, hey, let's find the worst neighborhood in Baltimore yeah. and let's all move in and start a bunch of cool stuff, sure. a coffee shop and this and that, and bring in middle-class uh, values into this neighborhood so, so that way Stephanie can be comfortable walking down the street, picking up flowers with her cam canvas bag. That's right. Right? That's right. Or going to the symphony. Going to the symphony. Oh, my favorite. Like, oh, man. That's the coffee just place, naming right? all the, the, class, the ceremony. classics. No, that's what it is, ceremony. I, I was like, ooh, symphony. but I was like, I do like the symphony. <laughs> you know, hey, also, you don't know your third right. way of coffee joint? Yo. Hey, man, that's, that's, I guess Actually, you can put that up there with Bugsy. Uh, Bugsy Mogus. Yeah. Lord, <laughs> I can spell it now. Don't good. test me. So Yeah, that's but, but good, let's, though. Let's talk about this change yeah, piece, though. Because on the other side, um, you, you sort of sound like you're okay with trash. So is there a place in which we would, as the people of God living in the neighborhood, want to, um, through our presence, do what we can to make an, uh, you know, a better neighborhood for everybody? But then where is that line? I mean, so that's my first question is, do we want to do that at all? Or are we trying to, like, do we want to contribute to the trash? You know, do we want to not paint our front door? Which right. is the case at my house right now. <laughs> and um, do we, or do we want to try to better the community in little ways that we can? Yet, at what point does it become an inordinate desire to see the neighborhood changed as our goal? Yeah, so I, the first part of that question, I think, you know, moving in, you know, into a neighborhood um, like the one I live in that has lots of trash, um, I actually sweep up. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to see the neighborhood clean. Um, so in this sense, you're being a good neighbor. Yeah, and I think, and that's what God calls us to Christians should be good neighbors. Do. Right. He calls us to, you know, care for his creation. Right. So we don't add to the trash. We, we should want to, you know, clean so up. So you sweep... Uh, you see a church member who's in line to get drugs, and you give him a certain look, and he walks away. Like there's there's good that we bring then into the neighborhood, just simply through being good neighbors. Yeah, I think the problem is when um, we make that our hope. What do you mean by that? And what I mean is if if um, if transforming the neighborhood externally, if like that's the goal of us moving into these neighborhoods, like we're gonna be left with despair in the end because that's not gonna bring the change that only the gospel can bring.
So we can do all of those things. Transform the neighborhood, you know, have better schools, you know, that the sidewalks are clean, things like that. But if we lose the gospel, then like it's like we've we're, we're doing it for nothing. Again, because gentrification has never really changed what's on the inside. Because people have been gentrifying neighborhoods for years. I've seen so many schools that's been renovated. And, you know, like before it's renovated, they say, oh, we need new schools. Okay. Got a new school. Now, everything is still the same. Someone might say that there's like a, a middle ground here, though. So someone might say, well, yeah, gentrification's not our goal. But the church's goal should still be to transform the community because if the church is there, the people of God are there, um, after 10, 15 years, there should be a lot of jobs, there should be people working jobs, we should be start, starting yeah. different organizations to employ people, we should be you know, starting various projects to keep the streets clean, and, and the church should bring in um, a real kind of physical felt change culturally speaking, in the neighborhood. True? Here's my pushback. Yeah. So, yes, you know, yes, do we want physical change? Yes. Should we Amen. promote, you know, is it like Jeremiah 29? Should we plant our gardens? You know I'm all about that. Like, let's plant some gardens. Seek sure. the good of the city. Yes, yeah, seek right. the good of the city. But If you spend yourself on behalf of the poor, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, he will... i got to remember it. Then. Oh, that's good. You will be planted, be planted Jeremiah 29? like a garden. Like a garden. Oh, yeah. Like a garden. Like the garden. Like a garden. Hello. Oh, well. Hey, I see where you're going there. But yeah, so I think the, the thing is this. Uh, yes, we should pursue those things. Here's where my hesitation is. Those things are not my end goal. Here's why. I don't, my success as a Christian, my, not even, let's take success out. What God requires of me may not on this, in an earthly way, look like I've done much. Why? Because there are forces of evil, there's darkness. So I'm not saying that I just sit on my hands and I don't work and I don't live in a way that transforms. But to put that pressure of we must have a physical change, I don't, I don't think we can do that in a, in a sinful world that we live in. However, I pursue in the spirit of, yes, God, you have taught me to treat someone as made in the image of God. And we've seen that, not just in us, but in our community, in our church. What does it look like when a brother no longer re retaliates with violence, but instead preaches peace that comes from Christ? So did that cause a transformation in the heart? Yeah. Did that change the neighborhood? Maybe. Maybe not. Did it possibly change a heart? Yes. And so for me to put them on the same scale is difficult because I don't think... We can take on all that pressure. I think that's an over-realized hope of a utopian society, of a perfect society. I just, in living here, I, and as I read my word, I don't know can exist. However, there are millions of small moments that I can bring about on earth as it is in heaven sure. to people um, and sharing those things. So yes-ish, kind of, in, to your answer. At least is how I would see it. Um, I'd, see, I'd say yes-ish. Do you bring about on earth as it is in heaven? Or does God bring about on earth as it is in heaven? You better, you better I'm just, preach I'm, my no, soul. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I think God brings it about, but he uses right. us as vessels. Yeah. As I know you just use that phrase yeah. uh, 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 
Just want, just want to clarify. Yeah, and, and here's why I think we can lose the goal. Question. You know, I'm, I'm, I am. And a is that on earth as it is in heaven for now, or is it a prayer for kingdom come? It is the. That's something yeah. we could talk about it's in the a future. Good question. Yeah, yeah. 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 for us to, to dialogue on that. And I. Uh, but you I say would, some good stuff. I'm not, I'm not picking yeah. on no, you. No, no, you don't. Uh, Joel's so sensitive right now. He knows I'm sensitive. Yeah. So I'm he's trying, trying to. You like, taught me to be more he's empathetic. He's being warm. I wish you guys right. could just I'm trying see. To I'm like, use, what's happening? He yeah. is. He's using feelings, feelings. And he's trying to use yeah, the right. language. Language. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I give him a couple more seconds, he's going to bring up the Enneagram. But he won't. <laughs> um, I pushed him too far, ladies and gentlemen. But no. So. I uh, pushed me too far. Toward the Enneagram? No, away from it. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. That's another episode for probably Because not I am happen. an 8-4. You don't, we're not talking I'm about a, it. I'm a... But we're still talking about it. Right. No, we won't make it. But I will say this. Um, God is going to bring those things about. I do think, you know, I am a counselor by nature. I work at a church. And so I'm also a neighbor. Eric right. is a physical therapist. He works, happens to work, you know, um, as a lay, as a lay elder, Joel's past. So, you know, in our spheres and different places of life, I'm, I believe that I will just be a Christian holistically as a whole person in those, in those environments. So can other people bring different amounts of change in the different places that God has called them to? Yes. That's the beauty of the church, but you can lose the goal. You can lose the, the vision of how do I bring about presenting the gospel? What a, would this be a correct way to, to put it? That we've got to understand first and foremost what the gospel is. That's right. Uh, and that is a message of good news that all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for his bloodshed on Calvary are forgiven of their sins and have a hope of eternity with him. And so the good news is a message that we declare with words. Um, and then there are implications of the gospel, and that is our love. That is our one another, one anotherness. And so, as we think about being a one another kind of community, and as as we're kind of advocating here to think about more and more doing it together, living together in the neighborhood, being one another with each other, what we're doing is we're really displaying a countercultural community. That's right. And I think it's what we were talking about in an earlier episode about the kids and people that are not Christians coming yeah. through is that's what they're seeing in us as a countercultural community. And then as we display that, well, there can be then another implication. There can be another byproduct, and that is a, a transformation of some culture. There, there is some real change that can happen. And, uh, and just as a byproduct is uh, for us to be a good employee at our job, well, we also certainly want to be good neighbors. Sure. I do want to ask this one question. So how, how do you... You know, I, I think we're presenting, I mean, what we would say is the truth. We're living it. But, you know, what are some of those temptations or those thoughts, things that would keep you from um, even wanting to live in a, in a context? I mean, some of our brothers and sisters who love us dearly have these conversations with us. You know, you can move somewhere else. You don't have to exactly. feel this way. You could go somewhere appreciated. You, you know, you'd be able to preach if you are Somewhere else, so you, you maybe you know. So what are what are some of those temptations? I didn't. I think we can identify them and still say, you know, these are things that we don't. We, we, you have to face, but obviously you've overcome. One of those would be um, just a level of, of comfort and maybe uh, safety. Tempted to kind of make those things a priority, um, like my preferences over God's preferences. And you know, again, having kids, I'm always worried about that safety. I'm always worried about my wife's safety, um, you know, living in this environment. But, you know, 
at some point, like, you really have to, like, trust God. You really do. Um, you know, you can know all of these different doctrines, and, you know, you can know your Bible front to back. You have to believe it. You have to believe that, you know, he's, that he knows best, that he's put you in this context for a reason, and that he's able to care for you and he's able to protect you. Amen. Or that he's calling you yeah. to this context. That he's calling. You know? Yep. So this is a, I feel like a PSA for all the Jonas. There might be some Jonas that are like, I'm not really going to get on that boat. Right. They're running from the Lord. Yeah. I mean, don't come, no one's going to force you to yeah. go into an inner city context, but perhaps yeah. you feel a call. I don't, I don't think everybody should move into the inner city. I really don't. I, agree. I don't even think everybody in our church should move into the inner city. Like, if you were to say, hey, Joel, I've got the ability to move everybody in, um, 100% of the people, I'd say, well, I think some folks probably are good where they're at, you yeah. know? And uh, there's, there's, you know, maybe in a perfect world, 100% of us would live in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is first of all, and let's just let's just be honest. Uh, Baltimore is transient. Most inner cities are transient, you know. So we'll we'll connect with somebody here in this neighborhood, and share the gospel with them. They start attending the church, and all of a sudden they lose their their house or their apartment, and they're on the east side now, right? right? And so we could have, you know, I think I don't know about other cultures, but it seems like in a lot of American inner cities. If you think that you're going to move into the inner city and just everybody is going to stay in that neighborhood, you're going to just be, be destroyed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ten years ago, there were there's a whole different group of people living in our neighborhood than there are now. You know, and so there's a sense in which I didn't want to become a citywide church, but we just kind of that kind of happens over yeah. time as people do move way over east or up north or whatever yeah. southwest, and so it has been beneficial for us. To have neighbor, or I'm sorry, members that live in different parts of the city, yep. if nothing else, to stay in touch with those folks, to bring them to church. You know, maybe in a, again, in a perfect world, we'll be able to, able to plant churches in all these areas, yeah. and or or at least recommend churches in in other areas, which we do and have done. Uh, but that's not always possible. Yeah. And so it's nice to be able to have a little bit of a spread. You know, so sure. you know, even if we have some members listening to this, uh, who are part of our church that might be feeling like, man, you know, I really am kind of out, out, of, out of this circle of conversation because I don't, I just want to validate them and say, you know, there are benefits for even our church to have members living elsewhere. I wouldn't want everybody to do that, yeah. maybe not even the majority, right. but it's nice to have some. Mm -hmm. And then there are some who would just be straight up and say, it wouldn't be good for the neighborhood culturally if I move in. Yeah. And I've had members tell me that, and I appreciate that. Yeah. They're just being honest. They're like, look, you know, I want a gospel-preaching church, and, you know, I, I don't understand some of the cultural things going on. They're just not ready, and I'm like, that's yeah. cool. They could probably end up doing more harm than, than good. Right. Yeah. This is not a, this fits for everyone. It's not a, a, a you know, you put on this hat and you can, you can wear this. I think it takes thoughtful consideration. Yeah. So if somebody's thinking then, should I uh, join a church in the inner city? Or should I, I'm part of a, a church in, in a community like this, should I move closer to my church? Should I be there? This is not an 
issue of sin. So you exactly. can ask the Lord and yep. you can think, right. has my ministry and presence even in this neighborhood been affirmed? I think that that's one thing. So when you ask the Lord, so do you mean like you're going to find a Bible verse that says, lots. go out there into no, the... No, that's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, I mean, go find a Bible verse. But I think one thing is the beauty of being in a community is that we can ask yep. our mm. pastors, our friends, our community, these mm. questions. So when you're saying ask the Lord, you're saying like, but through God's normal means of grace, normal the people in your life, grace. pastors, the church, yeah. Would it be wise for me to move in? Yeah, start a conversation. Yeah. Um, God does not need us to be saviors because he, he's right. the savior. So with that, there's freedom to say, maybe it's not wise for me to move, like you said, into yeah. this neighborhood. And I can, that does not mean I don't love, doesn't mean I don't care for it, means I don't treasure. But think about this. If there's so many, like maybe mental obstacles to you living in the city, yeah. you've now put yourself at risk and you put also your family perhaps or whoever you're with and you've also put your community around you. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think everyone should, should just move because they've heard it's the right thing to do. Good. You know, following Jesus is the right thing to do. For sure. That's it. Also, um, again, like if as a church we demand, like, hey, you have to move in, like we will be legalistic. You know, almost saying like, awesome. like if, if if we say, well, if you, you really want to be a Christian and you really want to be woke, like, hey, you, you got to move into the neighborhood. Like that's that's just not biblical. And a move into any context begrudgingly is going to be a bad move. And also a move, I'll add to that, a move with a um, this high and lofty kind of rosy idea of what it's going to be is going to be a bad move too. No one's going to give you a pat on the back for moving into an inner city context, nor should you have one. Quick word of wisdom, don't despise the small games. You better walk me through. I, I've, I've learned that. God is, is doing the work. You know, when we're sleeping at night, he's the one that's, you know, changing people's hearts and stuff like that. So, uh, Muggsy Bogues, we apologize. I gotcha. Once again. You do, Muggsy Bogues. Love here, Bogues. With a G. Right. Bogues. Muggsy Bogues. Bogues. Muggsy Bogues. There you go. Anyway, we're done. I'm Googling so our it. Next, our, our next, join us, join us. For what? What are we doing next? Are we going to have a conversation with somebody? Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to talk about intentional, intentional living. living. With? Mas with our friend Maz McConnell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be a good time. <laughs> a cheeky time. <laughs>